Cut the intro. Get to the meat. All right. So this is episode 13 of the Hack Attack Pharaoh podcast. And this is a unique one because we have never interviewed an actively driving person. He <laughs> yeah, is dri- should I turn off. I should maybe turn off my camera. No, I love uh, this. I love this. You want to do. No, no, we don't, we don't need to be safe about this. We can just be, you know, real. <laughs> <laughs> so with us is Todd Strauss Schulson. And this is this is a pretty cool, uh, just a cool guy. First of all, he's directed a Harold and Kumar movie. He's the director of many commercials. He's a cinematographer, a director, writer, producer, editor. He's a jack of all trades in the industry. And he's talking to us schmohawks <laughs> whilst he's on a cross-country trip from L.A. to New York. He's actually right? taking You're time. You're on your way to New York? Yeah, I'm, I'm ultimately getting back home to New York. Yeah. All right. This is amazing that you're taking the time to talk to us. So we really appreciate it. Yeah, so thank you. What is up? First of all, where are you from the open road? Uh, I am driving from El Paso down to Marfa. So he's in Texas. Uh, okay. And then, yeah, I'm changing time zones today from Mountain to Central. And then I'm going to go to Terra Lingua uh, for a night. And then I'm going to end up in Austin. And then I got to figure out how I'm getting to New York after that. I've only got half of this figured out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Planning it as he goes. I love it. Well, you're headed east. Yeah, yeah. That's all that matters. You're headed Road east. Warrior. I'm headed east. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're based in L.A. You're based in New York. What's going on? Why the cross-country trip? Well, I'm from New York originally. And my family's in New York. And I usually spend my summers... Uh, in New York. And um, then, then I spend kind of, you know, half the time in L.A. kind of doing, you know, work movie stuff or avoiding the winter. I've just been kind of like organizing it half and half like that for a couple of years now, probably since this movie isn't it romantic that I made. And mm. and um, but this year was obviously a challenging year. Well, you why know, did something happen? Yeah, did something happen? Yeah, they um, yeah, they canceled my favorite show. No, no. it was the <laughs> pandemic. It was the pandemic, and it was hard, and it was transformational, and it was just tough being in the house all the time, and Ugh. just all these. I'm sure everyone had a version of some sort of you know their Tragedy. life kind of uh, that... shattering, but then something even, but then something really good emerging. And so for me, that's what happened. And then so instead of kind of like just getting on an airplane and continuing that chapter, meaning like, yeah, COVID happened and then it was really hard. And then I didn't sleep for seven months. And then I got on an airplane and I'm in New York and there's no transition. Mm -hmm. I thought, fuck this. Looks like we're getting a little glitchy here. Let's let's wait him out for a second. If you can uh, hear me, we'll just wait you out. <laughs> but we're talking again to Todd Strauss Schulson. He's a Harold and Kumar director, cinematographer, writer, producer, editor. He's on his way cross country from L.A. to New York, his native New York. And he's going to talk to us today about the industry, hopefully when we get him back from this. Well, West glitch. Texas, man. Have you ever been to West Texas? Tell me about it, Johnny. Oh, West man. Texas. It is desolate. There's actually, mm. though, West Texas, and I wish I could remember the name of the town, but there's this small, like, one motel town. It's one little town, and it's got, um, 
Or we got sure. you. We got him back. We got him back. Oh, uh, there he is. It's going to be tough. I'm driving. Yeah, it's all right. No, you're fine. We, we he, talked about West Texas. He's just telling me how desolate West Texas is and how, it, how easy. So is it, a it's one motel. Marfa, but it's is it Mar? No, it's not Marfa. There's one small town in Texas. It's like a one motel town and it has a hot spring there and you can actually go scuba diving. Oh, but I go to there. I'll go there. <laughs> we should I think it. you should reroute. <laughs> reroute. Wow. Wow. Anyways, that the, the, the end of that story is basically the end of that story is basically. Oh boy. We might be struggling here. We might be struggling to this West Texas successfully. Filler. So explain good, to me. Though. So this motel, one motel town. What about so it? I went scuba diving there with my family. I had the, there was a dive master. There's a dive master that lives in this town. West Texas, the scuba diving capital scuba, of the right, world. Right. Wow. And he actually takes you scuba diving. He does the whole <laughs> training thing, you know, the whole as if you don't have your scuba certification, you've got to go through the whole little class of here's buoyancy. Yeah. Here's what happens if you go up too fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lungs, you know, pressure, pressure yeah. blah, blah, blah. But I was talking to this guy and he is he has done dives all over the world. Wow. It's pretty amazing. A master diver. Yeah. In, in West Texas. Who knew? I wish I'm going to look it up. You know, I have an idea with Todd that I want to do. Yes. You know, we've all lost something in COVID, but he said his favorite show got canceled. Well, my favorite show got canceled and I want us to, favorite? well, hold on. Okay. I want us to say what favorite show it is on three. Cause I'm wondering if we're going to say the same show. Oh, him and I like on three, one, two, three, blah, blah, blah. And that's, that'll be a way of, of, of knowing now, are we trying to get him back? Is, is this what's always happening? Yes. Here? Yes. So, so either it'll happen or it won't. We might have the connection. We might not. Oh, it's Balmora, Balmora, Texas. Texas. This natural spring is 72 degrees year round. Hmm. Texas has a wonderful state park system. I think this is it. This has got to be it, right? Wow. I mean, it can't be can't be too many places in West Texas where you go scuba diving. No, no, no. There can only be right. That's there might pretty be a cool. Walmart there. there might be a Walmart there. So that's cool. It's civilization. <laughs> it's not just a one motel place. You lit up about Walmart. It's you know, once you have a Walmart, you that's know it. you're in civilization. It's over. It's it's wow. like it's like the wheel or fire. Walmart. <laughs> if we look at the uh, chronology of human history, we see, you know, wheel, fire, Walmart. and we see, yeah, the Renaissance Stonehenge. and Walmart. Okay, he's back. He's All back. Right. Now let's get this. Oh, God. I think he's turning his video off. All right, off, maybe so turn his video off. off. Let's get that sound back. Get that so sound he's back. On mute right now. Okay. This I is just turn the video off. All right, we got you. Yeah, we got you again. Yeah. This is kind of fun. All get- right. You want okay, we'll keep going, I guess. I think that I'm gonna keep on um okay. So before we lose you again, before we lose you again, you know, we've all lost a lot in COVID, but you said you lost your favorite show. Don't say what it is, because I lost my favorite show. And I want us to go on three and each shout out what our favorite show is that we lost, because maybe it's the same. Are you ready? (laughs) Uh okay. Okay, one, two, three, away. (laughs) What's away? Oh man! Well, what did you say? Yours? I didn't hear yours. No, I just liked because it was one season of a show, and I really enjoyed watching. It was one NFL. season. So, Away was this Netflix series that starred uh, Hillary Swank and this really cool ensemble cast, and it was one season. And COVID fucked it, and it got canceled. And it's where they go to Mars. 
and it's and uh, it sounds. Oh, cheap. that Apple that Apple TV show. Was that what it was? It was on Netflix, and it was like it's like a Russian, a Chinese oh. woman, an American, an Indian, and uh, an African guy, and like five astronauts. And it sort of like takes place in the near future, the believable future, basically life as it is now. And it's like an expedition to Mars, and it's a whole drama. It's like a dozen episodes, or tw- it was really good. And that was it. They're like, sorry, COVID ruined it. It'll 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 be a one off, one and done. I was Hold on one second. I'm going through our U.S. border protection situation. Oh, whoa! Damn. There's a like, smile. A, be polite. There's a canine. Smile. Oh no! Really? Oh, you don't have dog problems, do you? <laughs> Not I'm a still dog. doing an interview right now. Wow. Yeah, sorry. Can you guys hold on for one second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But leave it on. I want to hear this. I want to hear this. <laughs> All right, let's see. Let's see what uh, you Whoa, think they're gonna be polite. US border patrol. You think they're gonna be polite, or I don't know. What have I asked me? I'm just going into Texas. <laughs> Texas is like its own country, it my is. friend. Yeah, Come no star shit. State. They're very proud. Wait. But you're well into Texas. You haven't, you're not crossing any borders right now. Why is that? Yeah, I know. Did I make a wrong turn? Yeah, in Albuquerque. What's going on here? This is, uh, am I in Mexico? I didn't think I was. (laughs) Have you looked at the, hold on, uh, hold on, hold on. You're fine. What's it say? Yeah. Thank you. U.S. citizen. U.S. citizen. Yes, I am. Have a good day. Okay, great. What did you just roll down your window and the guy was like, "Citizen"? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Okay, interesting. What? Is, that's it? Yeah, that's it. And there was a canine, and I guess because I'm like a, I guess because I'm driving an Audi, electric Audi. Maybe I don't. <laughs> yeah, what gave you away? I don't know. Nobody I illegally guess. crossing the border would ever drive an electric Audi. No, you gotta. You, <laughs> You got to use like a, a Datsun or some company that doesn't exist anymore. Right, exactly. Ah, hybrid hatchback. Anyways. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. <laughs> so I'm glad you sa- you safely crossed. My God. You safely crossed back into West Texas. So here's what I want to know. How long have you been in this filming racket? Yeah. And how, how did this start for you? Movies, you mean? Yeah. Well, well, I've made, I've directed four movies, a bunch of TV stuff, but four big movies. And I did that for my first movie. I was 29. So about just about a decade, nice. so four movies in 10 years. Uh, but I always wanted to do it. And even for mine, it was a very little, just a very little ambitious, enthusiastic, bounding with energy kid in New York. It's all I wanted to do with my life. And that's that. Nice. Did you go to school for yeah. that? How did you pursue it? Yeah, I made movies in high school every day after school, and I was very certain that I was the best filmmaker and knew how to do it, and it was going to be the greatest thing. And then I went to school in Boston, a place called Emerson, hmm. and um, it really didn't do so much in terms of paying attention in class, but <laughs> was off with like kids in comedy troops and other friends. Nice. Uh, shooting little short films. Um, and it was excellent and, and developing my film education, becoming as literate as I possibly could. And, um, and then moved to California after college and then had like, you know, nine years of like abject poverty. And so you did the hustle. Anxiety. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, 
you know, it was impossible to give up, but it was sometimes you'd have to be like, I don't know how much longer I can sustain this. Mm-hmm. So it's like really damaging to be, um, to not progress at all. What would finally, you, a moment what would you do? What, what were, what were some of the low points? what did you do for a job in those nine years? Oh, well, my very specific answer in the beginning, you know, Please. we all were out of college. In the beginning, we all were at a. Well, are you guys at movie guys? Did you want to be making movies and stuff? Or what? So we're both actors. We met in acting school. Like basically, he's my best friend from acting school. We both um, went to the University of Utah and got our degrees in acting. He went on to get his master's in acting from the University of Georgia. So yeah, we're both actors and make movies or in movies, aspire to be in movies, always auditioning for movies. But of course, we're more like in the Hollywood of the Rockies here in Salt Lake which has its own little thriving film industry in its own right. But uh, so, yeah, we're professional wannabes for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh-oh. All right. Well, until he comes back. Yes. My professional wannabe. We cohort. should ask him. We should ask him when we get him back if he ever applied for a county sheriff's job in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> and we're getting him back right now. We're getting him back right now. Yeah. So, so I. You there, you know, you I'll back? say this: Every, everyone is, and everyone's worried about five G, but there's zero reception in a lot of this country. <laughs> I don't yeah. understand. It's crazy. This is so yeah, all over the place. Well, you, we're, we're still we're making it work. So basically, we're professional wannabes. Did you hear that part? Professional wannabes. You know, we're, gotcha. we're, we we both we both studied acting. We got our acting degrees. He has his masters in acting. Where, where I have my live? bachelor's. What's that? Where are you guys located? Where do you live? Salt Lake City. Yeah, so we're, we're in Salt Lake City. We both went to the University of Utah, got our BFAs in acting. He went on to University of Georgia and got his master's. And, you know, doing movies, auditioning for movies. And like I was saying, Salt Lake in its own right is its, its own little sort of Hollywood of the Rockies. It's got a little thriving film industry. Uh, you know, not as big as Hollywood, obviously, but it's somewhere between Hollywood and Bollywood. And, uh, you know, so we love it. <laughs> we love it. Somewhere between Hollywood and Bali. What? what? <laughs> but you you studied. Uh, so is that, that, is that what you studied in college was film or acting? What was your degree? Yeah. I mean, I'll ask you some Georgia questions later because that might help me organize my road trip. But yeah, please. But um, but yeah, I, I, I was just a very um, focused, just a very focused, passionate kid that loved, really loved movies and loved filmmaking. And particularly loved the films and filmmakers where you could sort of see what the job was. So really visual, really um, stylish, really uh, strong, just really strong voices and filmmakers. I love the Coen Brothers and Hudsucker for Proxy. And I love oh, man. Ken Loach mm-hmm. movies. And I love, you know, I love, I love, uh, you know, uh, After Hours and Raising Arizona when I was like 12 years oh, old. Oh, God, I, I love Raising Arizona. Coen Brothers, nice. Hudsucker Proxy, nice. School days. I just thought those were the ones where I was like, okay, that's the filmmaker. And also, or, uh, Blood Simple. Because, Blood Simple. You know, yeah. also because of the age I am, it was an amazing time with music videos and so many of the filmmakers that we have now, Fincher, you know, and even Michael Bay, and there were just Francis Lawrence and it was just an amazing time also for music videos, Mike Jones and Michelle Gondry. And so just watching videos on TV, yeah. kind of learning how they were doing it. But anyways, yeah, I went to a film school, but already felt like I knew everything. 
Nice. So I just was making films with friends and then moved to California and the jobs that I had, I mean, to make money, I was, my father who passed away like right before I made my first movie, oh. which oh. kind of set me up for an interesting 10 years of making movies. But my, uh, he, he sold historic autographs and manuscripts, <laughs> letters of letters of Freud and really? things like this. Brig, Brigham Young, maybe I'll make it specific. <laughs> but So, so but, artifacts. Um, artifacts artifacts and letters it wasn't like you know it wasn't like lame signed baseball cards it was like amazing pieces of history and that's what wow. i grew up around and wow. he gave me all of his junk to sell on ebay so that's how i survived for about five years what wow. you sustained like, yourself oh, off of uh historical uh, yeah like a hall well, of fame mickey mantle hall of fame cards thirty dollars <laughs> at a time and, i always oh, wow. vowed i i always vowed i'd never get rid of this Brigham Young letter, but I gotta pay rents. But I need to. Yeah, eat. you gotta pay. That's wow. what I was. Selling. I was. In, I was. In, I was an eBay. I was an eBay seller, and I was the post office. But I was also making. I was making. I was making everything and anything. Short films with friends, more comedy. You know, there were comedy troops in California, and I would shoot all the videos, and we would put them up at live shows, and that would be really great. And <laughs> I tried doing music videos, and was trying to get big in videos as videos were sort of dying. Uh-huh. So I made like, a handful of videos, but it was like climbing an avalanche. It wasn't really yeah, sustainable. And avalanche. then, yeah, and then and then kind of like after a couple of years of that, of really every day, like every day, like you know, I'd make something and I'd send a DVD to everybody, you know, and I'd write letters and fax them, blind faxes and blind emails to any contact I could find. And, mm-hmm. You know, it was a full time job and trying to get these jobs. And, and then about, and then it was pretty clear it wasn't happening. And then about, you know, four or five years in, it was 2005, I think I got it. I got a random job in Asia. I got someone from music videos was like, I'm producing a show. It was like Jackass of Thailand for MTV Asia. <laughs> Would you want to come and do it? It's a very successful show. And I said, I never heard of the show, but like, you're going to give me $10,000 to go live in Thailand for like eight months. That's to do like a hilarious prank. Show my answer. Wow. <laughs> I'll think about it. My answer is I'll think about it. I'll need more time. That's amazing. So that was, I was about to ask what, what was your and, first and big so break? Like, like so, how the form of your first big break. So it's this Thailand gig. Well, I came back feeling, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. I came back feeling confident here i'm gonna pause you right there todd where and, it and sounds- then just and then maybe it was a house director is a comedy clubs weird job right. let me know when i'm back on well looks like we're again this is a uh, todd strauss schulson we're talking to who's on a road trip he's cross, crossing west texas right now in a car as he's speaking to us that's why we're getting some in and out. But it sounded sound like he was talking in slow motion. Like, I was feeling <laughs> pretty confident. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> is that his inflection or what the, what the jamming signal is doing? But yeah, that's, uh, that's, pre- that's, pretty, uh, that's pretty wild when you think about it. He's back. You're back. There I am. So you're, saying, you're saying you came back, you're feeling pretty confident after this Thailand gig. I was feeling pretty good after an adventure that unique. And 
And and then the first my first thing was there was a, a more random jobs and all this, but my first thing was that I had I had this. Um, sorry, I had Chili Rieno for breakfast. Oh, how disgusting! Chili Rieno from wait Rome. You know, I've organized the trip. I've organized the trip somewhat around um, food shows I've seen on TV and wanting uh, to eat <laughs> stuff that looked so delicious. Were they were they hatch chilies? <laughs> They were long green chilies and there was queso and they were fried and it was in a car wash and it was delicious. Damn. There's a, there's a big debate, you know, on which better, the hatch chili or the uh, Colorado uh, green chili. I just try to make sure I get it from a car wash. That's how sure, I yeah, absolutely. that's how I look. Look for my rellenos. I got it. I anyways, that's part of my organization here. The um, No, I had, I got a hired. I was I got hired to at the Improv, which is a comedy club in Los Angeles, to be their in-house director. I was oh, wow. Two, wow. I was working with two friends from college who were making all these funny things, and they had a gig there. And anyways, I, they I was on salary for like half or five months or something. And my job, I had an office at the Improv, and my job was to shoot dumb shit, branded content, documentaries, intros, Beautiful. and things, edit things with comedians, Beautiful. and. And, but I was getting very, I was getting so frustrated. The money was great. They bought me all this gear, but I was like, is this what I'm doing? I don't want to be doing this creative work. And so one weekend, my college friends and I, Evan and Gareth, these guys were so funny and so great. And we had an idea for like a little short. And I thought almost with like a little bit of anger, like I'm going to show you what I'm capable of instead of all this stuff you're making me do. And we kind of stole the equipment and broke into the office and shot this little thing. It was not was the whole crew. It was a crew of me, you know, and the stuff from work. And we shot a short and I cut it on my laptop and we put it online and it went viral. No and, way. I'd love to see and this. After, and a, you can see it. It's on my, my website. It's called Mono Mono. And Give us your website. What Tell, tell the listeners your website. It's, uh, it's right on my Instagram. It's called ulteriorproductions.com. And I'm pretty easy to find if you just type in my name or go to my social media. And the shorts mono mono. And it was, and after a decade or so of sending out those DVDs and letters and trying to get anyone to just say, to pick me, to pick me, you know, to pick yeah. me, to have an agent, to give me an opportunity. Um, this thing is what got and someone's That's attention. That's what did so, it. And suddenly agents, agencies were calling and I met agents. And I got an agent. And no way. Because you went rogue. All because you went rogue and stole some equipment and broke into somewhere and did something you shouldn't have done. It was it was because, yeah, it was I that feeling it. of that you, you can't really control what people want. I spent all this time trying to make things that I thought they would want. A slick music video or whatever it was. But this one instance, I was so pissed at how frustrating <laughs> this all was. And at the work that I was doing for money that I was like, well, fuck this. Let me just do whatever I want to do. And that was became the thing. And that was a pretty good lesson in terms of where to put your focus, you know, not out on the outside, but oh, other yeah. people, but on, but on, you know, on you. I love oh, that. That's great. That's, that's, that's such a unique uh, yeah. making it story. So it mushroomed from there. What was the first film you directed? How did how did that come to pass? The first gig well, Harold, that you directed? The Harold and, Harold and Kumar was the first one. How'd you land that? Tell me about that. Harold and Kumar was the first one. I So I had made that short, and that short was successful, and then I had gotten an uh, agent, William Morris, 
who is wonderful. And then the, what happens there is that you get an agent and they just start sending you all around town. And you have these general meetings where you kind of, it's sort of awesome. It's like orientation in college or something. You kind of just run around Los Angeles to like every production company and studio and, you know, now a streamer and you just kind of meet everyone. Like yeah. you meet young executives. Rub shoulders. And yeah, for an hour you sit there. It's like kind of a get to know you. And they, they'll say like, so what kind of, you know, what movie, what do you wish you were making? What movies from last year do you wish you made? Like, mm -hmm. who are you? Just Whose like career do you think is, uh, you know, who, yeah. who's having your career right now? Yeah, what's your, yeah, who are you? What do you, who are you? What do you want to be doing? And you kind of got to have, and, you, and the questions like you're asking, how did you arrive in this office? What were you, <laughs> like, why do you want to do this? Who are you? Who so let you, you just, in? You kind, <laughs> you kind of learn to tell, you kind of learn to put a narrative around your life and you, and you tell the story. Mm -hmm. and everything's a story and, and i did that for you know a long time and they send you scripts and you get to, to say hey i, I want to i would like to make this movie and then you have to go in and kind of pitch yourself to them to make the movie so i was doing that i was reading scripts and being like i could figure out how to do this and going in and taking the meeting and i was also trying to write stuff and i was also continuing to make little short films to kind of cultivate you know get make sure i was good so yeah, the opportunity develop that muscle. Be, yeah, develop that and develop that voice. You know, like what is that tone? What is that style? Who am yes, I really? I, I like that voice. Yeah. And um, so I was making a, a lot of stuff with friends on the side, and also you know, day, you know, and during the day taking those meetings. It was really exciting. And as that was happening, my father was dying. And oh, shit. and then my first, and then I had gone up for a couple of movies and not gotten them. Oh. And but learn was learning how to do it. Was learning how to do it, and then about yeah, five months after he died, I went, I went into New Line, New Line Cinema, where there were some great execs, and I loved them, and we were friends. And they were my first meetings were with them, and they had this Harold and Kumar Christmas 3D extravaganza movie. <laughs> extravaganza. They thought, they thought I would be appropriate, and I read the script, and I thought, hey, this would be crazy. It was expensive movie big budget and uh i thought that i could i knew i thought i knew how to make that movie and it was such an insane movie and i went in and i pitched myself so hard and um and i got the job that's huge harold kamar's huge yeah well then we did it in 3d properly and uh and it was just an insane well it was an insane first movie because it has the number three at the end of it and but it was a pretty, it was a very intense experience, um, as you can imagine, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, so working with all those guys and they've been working together, you know, for two movies before that and you're coming in. Tell me about day one. What, you know, th that first morning you woke up, how are you feeling? First day on set. I think I could probably look back now and say that my whole, it was just a lot of, it was just, it was just a really intense, it was a dream come true, obviously, you know, from when I was like four years old, I was like so happy to be doing this. So it was a rush of adrenaline and euphoria, but also my nervous system was probably shattered from losing a parent so recently, right. but that was all kind of being, oh. you know, a bit sublimated. So I didn't really know that. I thought I was fine. And so the first day we were in Detroit, we were in this humongous mall, Patton Oswalt was there and I had John and Cal and everyone was there and there's a video of me screaming 
screaming action for the first time. It was just no. so wonderful. And but I was also kind of like treading water. I wasn't. It was all new to me. Like I was pretty confident about my ideas, but you know, I could I could organize a crew, but I couldn't navigate. The cameraman was kind of a jerk, and you know, I would I would I would run. I did thirty takes just to make sure I got it. You know, I just was kind of like overdoing everything and being really careful. You know, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Try one more time. Over and over and over. You know. Wow. But yeah. but. But, you know, and then as the day progressed, I, I think some of those nerves shook out and then I kind of felt really pretty at ease. You know, before that movie, I'd never made anything longer than 10 minutes. And suddenly here I was. It was like a 45 day shoot Doing a on feature. location. Yeah. In 3D with, wow. you know, challenging personalities around me. But but, you know, the stamina to figure it out and to do it, you know, I kind of learned. I kind of learned on the jump. Oh my God. And there's only one first time. So after that, so it was, you rode the coattails of your own success after that. So it went well, obviously it was a success. It was was a success. Boom. And how did you get your second gig? What came next? Well, I did a thing where, um, you know, once you kind of like get out of shooting a movie, you know, you're kind of all adrenaline. So a lot of people, they get sick, you know, when they have to slow down, they crash. You know, I had a little bit of a crash, you know, from everything that was brewing from before the movie. And the movie was a success. And then I was getting, I was getting, I was, I was getting offers to make, to do things. We're the Millers, probably most notably. Oh, wow. But, but, but I sort of, I sort of, so I had this idea in my head of what kind of filmmaker I wanted to be. And, and it wasn't the person who was making. Who's that? Hello. See some, you see someone? Yeah, we're still there. Yeah. yeah we're yeah. here. We, Sorry, we I got, got a call. I got a, got a spam risk. <laughs> I, I, we're more I important had, than had, spam. It was us. We were calling I, you. This okay. Idea of just, yeah, can you hear me? So uh-huh. yeah, you were offered uh, where the Millers stuff like that. Yeah, there were things like that that I was up for, but I had this idea in my head of the kind of filmmaker I wanted to be. And even though I loved Harold and Kumar, and I'm really proud of that movie, and just watched it recently, and couldn't believe that I did that at that age. Really wow. good. I I tried to I sort of tried to make what I thought a first feature would be second. You know, like like the, like the blood simple like what's yeah. that first feature you know mm-hmm. it's it's not harold and kumar three it's what is it and and so there's this movie called the final girls is my second movie and it's a little bit of a cult movie and if you haven't seen it you should check check it out for sure and but but that movie was a really um close to me it was a much smaller movie i kind of tried to hard steer everything to the left to make that movie. So would you say Instead that was of, more, you know, that was more your movie than Harold and Kumar? Stoner. It's different. It was smaller, more personal, for sure. I mean, more I personal. feel that I'm in both of those movies, but it's, it's a, it was a more personal. There's two friends of mine, this guy's Josh Miller and Mark Ford, and I went to school with them and they were writers and partners and they had written this movie 
and we were all friends and they had told me the idea from even before Harold and Kumar and I thought it was a great idea and then they sent me the script as I was editing Harold and Kumar and the script the idea for that movie if you don't know what that movie is is it's kind of like Back to the Future Uh-oh. Again, just a little bit. It's about a group of kids from today who kind of get sucked into a bad error. So we're sort of in and out with Todd here, unfortunately. Um, you know, oh, here how are we doing? There we go. I think we're getting you back. It's in and out, but you're saying you were talk, right. talk, telling us about it, about the movie. Yeah, you just let me know. I mean, you can edit this, right? You're going to cut yeah, this? Yeah, we'll edit it. Yeah, yeah. It's, Don't worry about line, it. Is it? Don't, it's all good. No, For, you know, 40,000 people are listening to this right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, uh, oh, yeah, that movie. So, yeah, they sent me the script. What that movie's about is it's a bunch of kids from our world that kind of get sucked into a bad 80s horror movie, like a Friday mm. the 13th. And okay. have to survive. But, 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 what it's really about is that this main, this young girl who gets sucked into the movie when she was a kid, her mom. Oh, man. Oh, man. He's leaving. Her best friend's mom to her mother's. So you're, you're giving us the hook. So, so what's the hook? Which part did I lose you on? Well, uh, right when you said um, it was right when you were telling us about the girl, the what her backstory was. Her mother was a famous scream queen and dies when she's young and as an adult now she gets sucked into her mother's most famous movie what? so she gets so she gets this second chance to be with her mom and to try to save her mom hey i'm entering central time <laughs> hey so, congratulations to to be with thank you to be with her mom to to be with her mom and to save her mom from a from a movie that doesn't take death very seriously so it's really a movie about grief Grief and loss, but it's also fun and funny and poppy and wow. very stylish. Kind of sounds the movie like the bad guy. It's very meta. Sounds like uh, Sunset Boulevard meets Field of Dreams or something. Yeah, we would pitch. What would we, we would pitch it as it's like it's like Friday the Thirteenth meets Terms of Endearment. Okay. Wow. Would you believe it? We couldn't get the money. We couldn't get the movie financed for a number of years. But Ooh. I've sort of. I sort of used as much whatever capital I had coming off of a proper movie to get this made. And that was my second film. And it's a beautiful, funny, good movie with a nice cult following. And I love it, nice. but I wouldn't call it a, uh, a, a, a juggernaut, a financial juggernaut. It was not, <laughs> but surely McLean, an emotional juggernaut, surely McLean and Jason, the hockey mask, Jason star in. Yeah. It's it's pretty close. It's the it's one of them. It's pretty. It's very. I put up. We all all of us. It was a group of like you know twenty to thirty year olds. It was all at summer camp. It was a it was a beautiful experience, and it's a really sweet movie. And anyways, so I did that second, and then and then I made this as a romantic film with Rebel Wilson for the same team that I did Harold and Kumar. Oh wow! And that's the one that just came out. I mean, a yeah, couple years ago. Yeah, like two years ago, two yeah. Valentine's Days. Yeah, and so there was that movie, and then what's that called? Then, you said, "Isn't it romantic?" Called, Isn't it romantic? Okay. Yeah, 
is a different man. You guys are fans, I can tell. Hey, man. I, I we love all filmmakers. I'm just trying to get out of the chronology straight. I want your you were like you were like he's on a road trip. Let's not talk about the road trip. He makes movies. I've only seen one of them. Let's have an interview. Great. There's no actually. Reception. You want to know? For it. Do you want to know how we got a hold of you or who? Where yeah, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you reach out? How did you so um, I don't know if you remember my cousin or or uh, David Nort. David Nort is your cousin. Yeah. Yeah. I David Nort. Yeah, so he he messaged me one day and he said, John, this guy, this really cool guy is on this road trip across the country. You should interview him. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. So I looked you up. I'm all, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And then I messaged you. That's hilarious. And, and, the, rest I, is history. Yes, and the rest is here we are. And, and I'll have history. you know, I have a huge poster of you in my room, dude. So is what do you mean? Another- <laughs> His wife, con- his wife constantly complains that it's on the ceiling. <laughs> she has to fall asleep to it. <laughs> but yeah, David, David had texted me and said, uh, this guy's on a road trip. Cause he knows, uh, you know, our podcast deals a lot with, uh, I mean, we basically, we like interviewing interesting people, getting their extraordinary stories. And, uh, and a lot of it comes into what's happening in the West and their experiences in the West. And, uh, and it, here well, you are experiencing normal? slipshod service in the West. Yes, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> Hold it's, it's, on, I need to get I need to get gas real fast, guys. All right, oh, are there are there border patrolmen there? <laughs> are there canines? Are you allowed to stuff for gas? Is there's Chikura a Valero. From... There's a Valero here. There's a Wendy's here. A Valero. Oh, is oh, there like Chigur from No Country for Old Men there? You know, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're I'm worried. talking to the guy with the uh, the cow. Uh, <laughs> what is it's thing? a cattle gun. You worry the about these gun. things in West Texas. You know, don't open the door for strange men with beetle haircuts and air tanks. I'm doing I'm doing Valero over pilot. Hold on, let me let Going me take Valero. one pause. Let me. I'm gonna pause here really fast. He's choosing Valero. We'll, we'll sit here and chat with ourselves. Okay, so this third film was isn't it romantic with Rebel Wilson? Yeah, um, I want to spot that final. What is it? Final Girls is the second film. I am gonna check the, these out. Check you know, out, yeah. you know, I, you know. Come on, we got a hot shot director in our midst. This is cool. I kind of like this. I, I mean, I hope he's not offended by you know us not having seen all of his work but, i'm sorry I, but um I, uh, I i like this you know getting to know him. i mean we're legitimately getting to know him over this over this interview i do like this and and you know it, it's funny you know actually the other day or i don't know maybe six weeks two months ago whatever uh clooney was on howard stern and talking about some of his early gigs like he was in women's shoes sales before he ever made it big before he ever got on er or any of that stuff yeah. he'd sell women's shoes and he had some of the most insightful funny stories of just before he made it and here you know here with todd oh yeah he's selling our you know antique memorabilia on, on eBay, ebay to survive <laughs> know, right? and he's just networking and pushing hard and doing the grind nine years man can you believe this until oh. finally Based on just a viral rogue bad boy stunt, he gets discovered through like, fuck it, bullshit, right? Like, like I'm just gonna do this, and I'm Still just yeah. doing some amazing. I mean, working at the improv is no joke. Oh, no, exa- <laughs> exactly. Not like he's not legit, but you know, improv. Yeah. But it's so funny how he actually made it, got the breakthrough, yeah. got discovered. No, I'm with you. You know, all the trying and trying and trying, and when he sort of was just threw his hands up, like whatever, I'm gonna fucking do something. You know, uh, you know, audacious and goofy. Yeah. He makes it. 
That's funny. That's cool. I no, mean, and that's... it's cool that he's, I mean, we're, uh, we're helping him out. He's killing time on his road trip. You know, I like to think we're helping him. He's not, he's not just out. staring off into the great beyond of West Texas. Oh God. West Texas. That's where I'm I'm doing a right. road trip soon. So let's look at his fourth film real quick. So I can be prepared to ask him about it. See, look at this. I won't be, uh, I won't be cut short this time. So he's done a very Harold and Kumar 3d Christmas. That was 2011. The final girls is 2015. Uh, in the romantic comedy film, Isn't It Romantic, was 2019. Damn, right before Rona. He has also directed episodes of television series The Inbetweeners, and Zach Stone is going to be famous. Well, here, he's got one in post. Show me his filmography. Let's go to that filmography here. Oh, yeah. He's got one in post right now. Want to see it? Want to see it here? <laughs> We're waiting. Hey, man. We're, waiting. We're going to be totally... Hold on, this, this is IMDb. They're telling me his zodiac sign, all sorts of stuff. I know, right? So, the mass singer, what's in the Side box? Retreat. Oh, he did the mass singer. That show, what's in the box? So, I repeat the story. The story centers on a man and a woman with relationship issues who decide to go on a meditation retreat that requires absolute silence for three days along with the man's best friend and recently widowed mother. That sounds awesome. Look who's in it. Isabella Rossellini. What? Dennis Haysbert is in it. Lorraine Toussaint. Oh, my God. There's some really what good the... people in this. Well, so ask him about it. Wait, this is in post? Yeah. Yeah. What? Silent retreat. Yeah. Okay, we're going to ask him about Silent Retreat when he finishes pumping his <laughs> He's premium. He's listening to us going, how did I get hooked up with these two his, morons? His premium. No, <laughs> come on, come on. So, I'm in West Texas. I'm being interviewed he's by a gonna be, He's going to be so grateful once this interview hits. We're going to level up his career. We're he's going to go up an in Instagram, you know, following uh, following by two He'll at get, least at least by two maybe oh, three at least a dozen come a on a dozen you think a dozen uh, we double are, digits or at least a double digit following here <laughs> all right i'm also going to find out more about him we got so you go to his imd page imdb page. you can tell we're professional interviewers we're, <laughs> we're, in we're in the interview doing our research was born speak. on june 24th 1980 we're in forest age. hills I'm like new york months older than him forest hills new york come on what you so he's got a birthday coming up is what yeah, he's got 24 see i'm gonna say that i'd be like so you've got a birthday coming up oh, here like, he is. He's back. hey i'm back i'm back how's I just, that you, you how's gonna... that gas it was really good isn't the valero are... just an experience everything you hope for and more i just overhear you guys like googling me before now that we're in the I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'm gonna never... try it. I'm gonna try it. Todd, you got a birthday coming up. Oh man. <laughs> Yo, did you know? Did you know that you were born June 24th, 1980, in Forest Hills, New York? Did you know that? What do you what do you want? A Wikipedia or an IMDB? <laughs> it's uh it, okay. I don't stoop to Wikipedia. IMDB though, yes, I, I do. I do IMDB. No, we were just commenting how I'm just a couple months older than you. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it's weird. It's Look at that. Well, so, so we're we're impressed not only by everything you've done, the fact that you uh, you you made your first big break on a stunt on like a, a crazy stunt video, but but Silent Retreat. Now that's got a cast in it. 
Tell us about some silent retreat. Isabella Rossellini, Dennis Haysbert, like this is pretty cool. What's happening here? Between me getting out of the car to get gas and coming back, do you guys graduate broadcasting school? Well, the, yes. Your voice. <laughs> yes, we did. Look at you. Online. <laughs> Online. We also <laughs> got we also we also got our certification as uh actual reverence. We're yeah. now we're now reverence. We can marry church, you if you want. We can, life. we can marry you to the gas station attendant right now wow. if you wanted. I uh well here I am in West Texas. Look at this. Uh, I got off the main highway. Now I'm on a two-lane road, 74 miles from Marfa. Um, yeah, retreat. Retreat is another one of these moves, like Final Girls, where I get a pretty big opportunity to make a, a mainstream big movie and do that, and it's amazing and wonderful. And then so badly want to make something that feels really pure and personal and do that and then i gotta kind of claw my way back into making big movies and then i just get repulsed and go back to the little ones it appears to <laughs> I be get repulsed. <laughs> what repels you so much what's so repelling about it they're not repelling they're not repelling they're 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 so fun and they're so amazing to make those movies and they're really particularly amazing because most people get to see them you know they're out mm-hmm. there exactly. they're popular it's just um you know, I just I grew up in a way where I was just in my bedroom with a camera making whatever I thought would be good. And I, that's kind of how I learned. That's kind of how I learned to do it. It's kind of the joy of doing it. There's something really pure about that comes like through your head, out of your head, through your hands, into a camera. It's very personal. And I really like that. And when you make a big movie, it's not like that. Mm-hmm, you know, right. there's just a lot of there's a lot of layers of stuff between you and you don't really ultimately it's it's a group effort you know right and it, and it should be it's 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 a lot of money it's everyone's yeah. you know everyone's got to say and of course it's a huge collaboration and but it can just make it a little bit dicey sometimes especially when you're feeling like this is my movie instead of this is our movie but it's hard to do it otherwise it's hard to make right. the movie if you're like this is everybody's you know you right. it has but to still it's the power of creation that that really excites you so you know it's 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 amazing and it's challenging and the little movies are also amazing and challenging for fully other reasons you have complete control but you also have to defy gravity every day you know and so silent silent retreat is like that it's another small movie i made it it was something that i wrote it's the first movie that i actually have a writing credit on even though i do a lot of work on all of them but Right. It's a movie that I wrote with the best friend. And it's a, it's, it's a great idea. It'll come out this year at some point. And the that was idea, my next question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I was like, this is the best idea I'll ever have. And uh, I better make it while I can. And the idea is four idiots go on a silent meditation retreat for a weekend. And then the movie becomes a silent comedy 20 minutes. That's in. brilliant. <laughs> that is brilliant. Uh, so it's sort of. So it's like an artsy Buster Keaton movie. It's like I was Buster to say King Chaplin. It worked for Chaplin. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, but it's a very bizarre tone. Very, very bizarre tone, meaning it's like slapstick comedy and then um, like a lot of Buddhist wisdom. And, then, <laughs> and it's kind of, sl- it moves sort of slow, you know, Those it's Buddhist kind of still. There's slapstick comedy. A, Bo- a Buddhist will get it. A Buddhist will be like, yes, this guy knows. Yeah. This guy gets it. Bo- yeah. You know what it is? 
it's like Buddhists and seven year olds that love it. And, uh, <laughs> that's it. And that's I all. Think. I was gonna, wait, so this is going to see a theatrical release. How do you hope it's going to be distributed? I don't know. I mean, COVID really changed it's theatrical and good. And it's just, it's really unclear, actually. Yeah. Like, it's kind of amazing that I got to make that movie pre COVID because I don't think it, I could ever get it made ever again. Maybe so you, in 20 years. Who knows? What, why? Just, cause, just not because of the plot or because of how you want to do it? I feel so to the story. <laughs> because of the idea of the movie. I, I just, you know, I think because of the idea of the movie. Wow. Um, gotcha. A silent, I mean, a silent comedy about meditating. I don't know if that's, uh, it's not based on anything. And it's, pretty it's, out there, right? it's a pretty out there idea. Yeah, I love that. It's harder and harder to be original, my friend. That's that's awesome. so. What you you squeeze this in right before Rona hit? I squeeze it in before Rona. During Corona, we were like, um, we just finished editing, and also, so during Corona, we did, it was finishing visual effects, color, and sound. Mm. Gotcha. You know, and so we and so we finished it during the pandemic, and um, and now we're I think everyone's just kind of like waiting to see what the world is like. Are there theaters? Are they robust? Are there small indie theaters? Do they all go out of business? Is it all streamers? Like what? What's the best way to sell the movie? And what's your medium? Yeah. What? Yeah. And what, then, um, uh, does it, uh, yeah. what has Corona been like for you? I mean, so I liked what you used the word, and I and I haven't heard anybody else, or I don't remember anybody else using this word, but when you said it was transformative. What? Yeah. Did you go deeper into that? Well, I'd love to hear your experience also. I mean, that's kind of part of this road trip is to just ask, just to see what's going on with people. And also, it's kind of amazing being out here right now as the world, or at least this country, is beginning to reopen. You know, like you're in some tiny town in the middle of New Mexico. It's filled with bikers. And, you know, one of the coffee shops says, if you're fully vaccinated, no mask. And you're like, yeah. wow, that's a brand new, that's a brand new sign. You know, like just sort of seeing it blossom open, coming out of seeing it, what people, seeing what people are, are like after this like year long drug trip or something for me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of still making sense of it. I think, I think it's possible. That, I don't know. I, there was a good, there was a good line. I just heard someone say like in the, it felt like I was in a tomb. You know, I think a lot of us did sort of stuck in the house and not knowing what's going to happen. Like, are you, but the question was like, are you in a womb or a tomb? You mm. know, like, are you dying or are you being reborn? Wow. And I thought that was womb? nice. Are you in a I womb or that. a tomb? Yeah, that was good. Cause it rhymed. And that's easy to remember. <laughs> well, I think we just got the title of this interview for the podcast. Are you in a womb <laughs> or are you in a tomb? I, I thought it was good, but I, I know what I know what they mean. You know, there are a lot of different there are a lot of different. I got to say, it hasn't been as bad. Uh, you know, we've had longer tracks of his uh, clarity. Yeah. You know, not too bad. Are you in a womb or are you in a tomb? I mean, imagine the film industry. I mean, what was harder hit than the film industry? Uh, I mean, lots of like, I mean, you think of theater live for, I mean, you, you know, know. Just, just, just the arts and acting in theater in general, like no way. I mean, I remember some of the films hey, I was, Todd, if you can hear us, just chime in when you ever chime day, in, we'll, uh, we'll stop for you. We just, uh, we lost you. I think a little bit. I was really looking forward to a few films last year, Maverick, for example, 
the long anticipated Top Gun sequel, for example. I was like, oh man, I want to go see in the Bond film, the new Bond film. It's like th- th- those two meanly. I'm an action junkie. I'm like, oh yes, no way that no one's seen that stuff yet at all. And uh, yeah. like he was just saying, what now that the dust is sort of settling, we were, we're coming full circle and we're kind of on the way out of this. What survived? What well, is think, around? Are theaters robust, as I he think, said? I think the big that is a big question is people going back to movie theaters. Will that you know, will they go yeah. back in the droves that they were going in before? Yeah. And I think live theater is definitely going to be fine people are itching for it i mean people were applauding the cast and crews going back to broadway that were going back into the theaters they were sat on the street hey. applauding them. recently oh there he is where did i lose you i was on a roll uh, you always are roll. you always are on a roll it's fantastic um where did we lose? you uh we were talking about the return to oh yeah how the um how the uh, industry was going to return, what was going to be um, theaters, streaming. Robustness of theaters. Is that where we left him? I think so. Just we keep, got on our own. We got on our own tangent. You just keep talking. We love it. We love it. Todd. Todd, say something. <laughs> Todd, are you Todd speak to me. Todd. Oh, God. Ground control to Major Todd. <laughs> Not bad. This is a tough interview in that. Yes, the West Texas thing is a third character in this interview. And he's I don't think I'm going to interfering. I like it. I think we're, you know, this is fantastic. Kind of it's like this is that conversation. It's coffee and cigarettes. Well, you don't smoke, but or drink coffee. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I it think could be, that's what it feels like. It you could know, be we're a, having this conversation and Todd's going because I really I wish he could hear us because I would like to talk about, you know, I feel like we were we were in a womb during our Corona because of the intimates. Yes. We have been able, what he's referring to is we've been able to make a independent film throughout this. All right. You're back. You guys made a film during pandemic. Yeah. So, you know, basically, right. Everything gets shut down. I was actually in a British comedy uh, when all this happened, a play had signed the contracts you know, getting paid the whole nine yards a week shy of opening night. We get shut down, only ended up getting half the contract. I was heartbroken. I was frustrated. I call up my filmmaking buddy. He had his kind of hopes and dreams dashed by Corona as well. But basically, he's like, let's go out into the desert and make something. The one thing Utah has an abundance of is land, is desert, is remoteness. No one or nothing around. The one thing that Corona can't get in the way of. So... With a skeleton crew, we started going out to the desert every week and writing a script and building a really cool post-apocalyptic story. When he and, says skeleton, he means just the two of them. It grew from there. It did grow from but there. But this guy, Todd, knows. <laughs> he did a one-man thing that went viral, and that's how he got discovered. Yeah. So I was just, I was, I was trying to... Auspicious beginnings, my yes. friends. And basically, you know, now, in the next two months, we have an aggressive shooting schedule to finish it. Again another you know as big a character as anything else is the land the landscape and nature itself and we haven't encountered a soul out there very remote tracts of desert here in utah and it's amazing and we hope to uh we're, well the goal is to submit it to sundance and hopefully we get into sundance but that kept the you know creativity alive 
Wow, that was a that would be amazing. That's great. It's great to have a project like that going. Yeah, I Whoa. mean, and uh, Looking at a dust storm at the windows. It's cool. Wow, dust storm. I oh, love yeah. it. Oh, Sounds like my West Side. Dust storm, West Side. So, what have you been doing? What projects have been sustaining you throughout Corona? You were editing Silent uh, Retreat and finishing that post production, but what else has been going on for you? Todd. Todd! Oh, I was at. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. What's been keeping you going during Corona? Um, I mean, I think it's been a lot. Well, uh, what's been going on since Corona? Well, I was trying to turn my tomb into a womb. So that's one thing. That was nice. a full-time job. And, uh, I mean, you know, finishing retreat and then jumping on you know, just like jumping on bigger, bigger movies and writing, writing scripts. And I wrote a TV show with a friend and, but I can't talk about those things because they're not real yet. There were some things that were going on before Corona, but you know, when you're these big movies, it's years, it takes years, years to yeah. Yeah. get the script good and get the cast in. And it's really a long amount of time of lead up generally um mm. before you, they say yeah go off and do it and so it was a lot of that stuff kind of going on through covid That's i shot a, i shot a little short film nice you guys hear me or am i out yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no no we're we're listening that was my there, next I, you know i spent i spent half of i spent half a quarantine in los angeles and half in new york and while i was in new york um you know, there was a moment where the world felt like it was opening up just kind of before the holidays. And oh. I did a, I shot a, I shot a, I just for, just a personal short, just like high school, you know, I love to do it. It's so, it's so sharpens your intuition, your, your like creative intuition. And so I shot this little short film called Rat that you can sort of see online. And that was a great, great thing. And a lot of that stuff went, viral did you see a guy because there's a rat running around new york city around <laughs> christmas sounds like one that of my was friends. us and um <laughs> hell yeah nice and um and then i and then i did a and then i shot a kind of a big musical commercial for cnn with anderson cooper and oh, but a lot cool. of it's been writing a lot of it's been writing and, and getting movies together but i've been moving with colin firth in it and it's just been nice. trying wow. to put it all together it takes wow. forever yeah, but that I mean, like you're saying, it seems like that tomb to the womb, as you were saying, you know, kind of gave you that uh, pause and things to give you the time to put all that together and to keep creating things that may have been, you know, have to put on hold had Corona not come into place. You know, I have a lot of friends that do ayahuasca. I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you ever taken a wasca trip? It sounds, bro, like you just wanted to go back to what was important, like making it a 10 minute short. It reminds you of what's important. And the fundamentals are always the fundamentals, right? I think that that's right. I think that there was some. Yeah, it was it did. It, it was like um, I was saying before we got cut off, you know, like you Ghostbusters to the river of the river of slime under the city. Oh, yeah, of course. It was like it was felt like draining the river. It, that's a daily full time endeavor. <laughs> and um, 
and it was like that. So yeah, there's been, there's been, yeah. Yeah. And so what I want to know, what is next for, for Todd? I want, uh, you know, what can you talk about? Well, I'm on this road trip guys. Yeah. It's funny so that the most so interesting thing I'm doing is the thing you want to talk the least about. No. So you're going to Marfa and why, why yeah. Marfa? Well, I'll, I'll say this, like, you know, I'll say this. There's a bunch of creative movie TV things that you all want to talk about that, that I'm involved in, but those things are grind at a slow pace, you know? Mm -hmm. And so generally they just do. And there's creative work to be done while they're grinding along. There's doing a budget for a little horror movie and there's, trying to cast these actors and having a million meetings with interesting people. And that's great. And, you know, and, and writing and, and, and editing drafts and working with writers and pitching on things, but it is, it is a grind and sitting in your house waiting for news, huh. you know, is not, it's not, it's not a life. It doesn't make you feel very vital. It's not as glamorous as it all sounds. It's not that exciting. I mean, if you could get into a really good flow and be making movies back to back, then it's, you know, that's good. I mean, from romantic to silent retreat was that experience. But, but it just, but this thing of like getting out into the world and I was out of stories. I was out of things to talk about when someone would call and say, what are you up to? Huh. Uh, what, I don't know. What, whatever article I read on fucking medium yesterday oh, politics like, i'm on a fucking, fucking road trip baby yeah infographics that are not true great uh, you know <laughs> and so so the idea of like getting on the road and traveling around america like i was in europe like a backpacking trip through europe that felt good and like that it would re it would refuel you Did i lose you no you're good that it would feel like it would revitalize and refuel you and also, you're doing shit while other shit is getting done. So nice. it's great yeah. to be driving around the country and having meeting weird people and eating delicious food and staying in places and sharpening your life intuition. And then you get a call. Hey, this is moving forward. Great. Hey, that's going to happen. Terrific. It's so it's, it's movement versus stagnation. You're, you're, not, you're having a life. You're not stagnating. Yeah, you're moving. How long is this road trip? How long are you taking it for this? Oh, I really know. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't really know. <laughs> that is awesome. No. That is I awesome. Mean, one of the ideas of this road trip is that I could be writing. No, I don't know. Like one of the ideas, or at least, and one of the things that I've noticed is that I think I got a little bit sure before I got in the car and started planning things you know, one night here two nights there see a friend there eat some chili relleno there but i'm moving around so much that i can never settle into a place mm -hmm. what has been the so most right. what has been the your favorite part of the trip so far oh god cliffhanger question i know right and silence on the i other. would say that why did i did we lose you Oh, you're back. You're back. Yeah. Well, your favorite part of the trip, what's the, been the most enriching part of all this for you? I've been on the road for 15 days. I'll probably be on the road for another 15 or 20 days. Nice. I would say that Monument Valley was really 
so special. Oh, in Utah. That is in Utah. Have you guys been to that place? Look oh, Jason you. is an avid wilderness. Per, uh, Look at you. You're talking. We're not here to Le- talk. Legend. We're not wilderness here. Wow. Legend? Wow. We're not here to talk about me. Jason. Well, Jason is planning a big trip to Europe to climb the Matterhorn. Well, we're not. This is a this isn't a Jason interview. So but we're getting to know each other. Monument Valley of all the things you've seen. That's what stops you. And that's like the John Ford, John Wayne Westerns land. Tell me about it. I don't know. Well, I mean. I I'd always wanted to see it, obviously, and that that place is pretty powerful, I would say. So that was your first time. Yeah, never been there. I've been to the Grand Canyon before, and I was at the Grand Canyon that, that day. But it's a long day. But um, yeah. I don't know. Something about Monument Valley was really special. But one of the things about this trip that's great is is um, I don't know. There's like a synchronicity. You know what it's like? Do you guys know this? But I'm talking about if I say this, this is what it feels like. You know, like that traveler, that traveler adventure thing like you're going to go to europe you're going to climb the matter or or when you're on set like that there are these other like rivers flowing different versions of your life that you can kind of plug yourself back into mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. what i mean is like i'm not always on set but when i get back onto a set that's like a traveling circus that's been traveling around without me and i'm back and i feel like oh my god you guys what's been going on I forgot what this feels like. You guys are all, you know, vagabonds and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Gypsies. there's a different energy to being on a on a set on location. You're like, I belong here. I like this part of myself. And with traveling, it's kind of the same thing. You kind of get on the road and you're suddenly meeting a million people and everyone is open. Go here, stay there, say hi to that person, eat there. And for me, for a person like It refuels there was, you. I walked in, I stayed in this weird Airbnb. Yeah, I stayed and I'm yeah, and I and I like people and my movies, I don't know if you see them there, they're they um they're not judgmental, you know. In my life I'm not. I it's a pretty open, judgment free curiosity about people and mm-hmm. and so doing something like this is so great because I don't know, I get to I meet a million weirdos and I and I learn things and I can use them all later. Like I was at this I stayed in this Airbnb in this around the back of a Mesa. It was a mistake Ooh. to stay there, but I barely looked at the <laughs> listing. That's a Mesa for Christ's sake. Yeah, I thought it was a view of the Monument Valley, but it was behind a Mesa in someone's Hogan that they grew up in. <laughs> I Anyways, love it. It was like a haunted Hogan. But I got there late, exhausted. And I walked into this just, it was a private property, walked into this house, and it was his husband and wife, and they were in the Airbnb, no one was there, only me, set up for, I walked into their house, and the wife was doing like a, a QVC, like a basically a QVC show on her cell phone. She yes. had a ring light. It was nine o'clock at night. She had a ring light. She was selling precious gems and crystals. And no. Stones. She was like lot 143, lot 145. Da, 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 da. No way. And 
And I'd never seen, I didn't even know that was a possibility. It was happening on a Facebook live community. And I was like, what the fuck? And then the guy sh- showed me the place to sleep when I stayed. Over breakfast the next morning, I was like, what was that you were doing? I didn't even know that was a thing. I was like, it was like you were selling jewelry on TV. She was like, that is what I'm doing. Our Airbnb <laughs> income dried up during COVID because most of the people that come to Monument Valley are European because they love the landscape from the movies. Right. Uh, exactly. Americans don't come here. Like the, the American, what, you know, American and Western, like, all the Western. Like, so we yeah. had a fish. She was like, I just figured I just to make money. So I figured out I could do that's interesting to me. And so beautiful. They did it together. And she got there hawking gems every night. And she's got this personality. It was so great. And then another thing that I'm really curious about while I'm out here is movies. Is asking people that do not live in Los Angeles or New York or work in movies. Is this like, what are you watching? When do you watch it? How do you watch it? Yeah. Like, is it TV shows? Are you just on YouTube watching stand-up comedy? Are you watching movies? Are they new? Are they old? Are you just going to go to Netflix and watch whatever is new? Do you even know what HBO Max is? Is that even, is that even like in your world? Taking an like, industry, it's like an industry census. Well, it's just kind of interesting because you do, you know, you've seen Sullivan's Travel. There's, a, there's two cars on two flatbeds driving at me. <laughs> cool. Anyway. Um, I love that. No, like, um, Haunted Hogans uh, and Jewelry Hawkers. I love it. It's just kind of, you know, you sort of forget. You've seen Sullivan. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So it's like Strauss Schultz's Travels. You know, Sullivan's Travels. Sullivan's Travels. Sullivan's Travels is this. It's a great, yeah, it's a great comedy. If you haven't seen it, it's a great, it's old movie. It's sort of a little slow now, but it's great. It's a great movie about this filmmaker who's become depressed about his career and goes on kind of a trip across America. And meets people and remembers what's the point of movies. He sees real people out in the world laughing and having a tough life and needing the reprieve. Anyways, that's not why I'm doing this, but it is kind of interesting to understand what is the role of movies. Are they even relevant? I love anymore? that. I love so that's that. Like, I'm, asking, I'm asking that question. You're just seeing like what moves and, uh, people, not just so much how they consume their art, but what art they want, what moves people. And I love that. That's. It just sounds like this road trip is, uh, like you said, uh, you know, quickening your reflexes, keeping you open, uh, giving you a new perspective. And it's, it's that paradigm shift of travel. It makes you sharp, you know, when you're comfortable. Yeah, at, yeah when you're comfortable at your couch at home, like you, you forget, you forget. But when you're suddenly on the road, free, flexible, open, open to people, conversations, experiences, you're like a sponge. It endows your art and that'll make your art more powerful. Well, yeah, also COVID, maybe for you guys too, but for me, you know, that river of slime, I mean, I was, I was sort of sitting in my apartment alone or with other people, but, but I was sort of um, not receding, but like heaving in on myself, meaning like just like so much self-investigation or like so much cultivating routines or just so much with yourself, you know? that you forget that there's a pretty big world not so far away. And you can, it's like you feel so much less alone. And, you know, and, and when you ask people, what was COVID like for you? And they tell you, you're like, wow, that was like the 
same thing for me. It's 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 great because it can feel really isolating, and it's great to de-isolate. You know, yeah. that, that's the curiosity is like the salve. You know, start oh, asking yeah. questions. People want to talk about it, and it feels just great to be washed in their in their stories. For me, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, so you're going to Marfa and then what's after that? Okay. So maybe you could, maybe you could help me here and maybe if you put this up in the next couple of weeks, some people that listen can get me up and help me also. But so, you know, I'm going to Marfa to visit a friend and sort of settle and then I'm going to go to Austin. No, then I'm going to go to Terra Lingua for just a day to see a thing called base camp that a friend turned me on to. Okay. And I'm going to go um, to Austin and then where I've been a million times for South by and everything, but I love it. And then I got to eat this, you know, one of the ways I've organized the trip is around a barbecue place. I saw in chef's table. That's an hour from Austin, but they're only open on Saturdays. So I've had to like race through or slow down just to make sure that I land in Austin on Saturday. To eat. <laughs> yes. So that's, uh, that would be the, well played. the middle point of the trip. And then I got to get to New York and I'm not really sure how I'm going to go, but I was thinking maybe of Baton Rouge where I shot final girls and it'd be kind of cool to see. Oh yeah. They left one of our sets standing up and oh, that, you know, that sort cool. of could be interesting. And but then yeah. I, just getting through the bayou or there was a place in Arkansas at the base of a mountain. Um, I forget the, it's called home home steak or something. And, Okay. Crystal blue water. I'm looking for interesting small places. I'm gonna ultimately get to Athens, Georgia. Oh, are you going to through Athens? Going through Athens, and I'd love to see those wild horses on what Avery B Avery Island or some of those Carolina Islands. Uh-huh. And uh, get to Charleston where I've got a friend and then slowly oh, snake Charleston's up the so East beautiful. Coast. Yeah, so if you have any you know, Athens or beyond suggestions. You know, like I'm trying, I'm trying to avoid like New Orleans. I, I got it. I know I've been there. Right, so right. Small places like you're in Italy and there's a small little town you stumble upon. Yeah. I'm looking for that stuff, you know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Are you much into the Civil War, uh, his- history of the Civil War or anything like that? I could be. Oh, shit. I could be. I mean, there's uh, Vicksburg, Mississippi, and um, they have the old battlefield there and uh, the museum. We The only reason I mentioned that is that's where we used to stop when I was a kid. We'd go from Atlanta to Dallas uh, to visit family, and we'd always stop in Vicksburg. It was actually the drop-off point because my mom would uh, drive us from Atlanta, and then my dad would pick us up in Vicksburg, and then we'd go to Dallas. But I always remembered Vicksburg being pretty cool. That's um, cool. I got to write that down. Guys, can you hold on for five seconds? Yeah, no problem. Okay. BRB. Dear Lord in heaven, Todd has left the car. Jason has left the building. John and Perth are left to their own devices. How will the show survive? Crude editing, ladies and gentlemen. That's how this show lives on. Todd eventually returns. John treads water to keep him on the phone. Jason gets back to save the show. Before that, a very elegant jump cut to John and Todd's conversation. Then, a few cuts between to keep it alive. Please, 
Enjoy. Instead of writing diaries at night to myself, basically, I'm just sort of taking pictures. And then at night, I throw it up on like Instagram stories and just sort of like do a recap of what I saw, what happens, you know, who I met as a way to remind myself and to sort of share it with other people. And it's, yeah. it is interesting. It is interesting. The world is just opening up just now. And it seemed relevant. And but that's how I, I think he knows that I'm doing this is because he's been watching. He's been yeah. watching. He's been watching my Instagram stories. I'm an adult man doing a travel <laughs> blog. You know. But it is. But I, but I will tell you, it's like just, you know, I could feel it. I could feel it even in L.A. before the road trip was that like. I can feel it like, you know, like I've been in a cocoon and I want to, I want to fucking run. Like I, you know, like I'm tired of sitting. I want to run. I want to get the fuck out of here. And and that's kind of why I didn't want to fly. It's like, okay, then I'll just sit on the plane. Then I'll get to New York. Then I'll sit in my car. This is like, I'm so thirsty. And there's a freedom to it. And there's, it is, it does sharpen your intuition. Like, like you sort of just, I guess I'll go there. I guess I'll try that. I guess I'll go in there. You know, I went, you know, you get into that, you get into that sort of rhythm where, where you, where you kind of get in tune with that, with that quality of life. It's just different than being in your home routine. Just a different routine. And suddenly you wake, and suddenly you wake up and there's a song stuck in your head. Why is that song stuck in my head? And then at dinner, that song is being played by a live band at a crawfish boil. And you're like, well, <laughs> I don't know if it means anything, but I feel that I'm in tune. Like I'm tuning, I'm tuning my station to the world and my world has been very small. And that's what feels really good about this. Yeah. And so like, you're like, how long is it going to take? It's like, I don't know. Like I have, there's no part of me that wants to arrive. Do you know? Oh, that's pretty cool. Like, like maybe, like maybe, like what I do want to do is start spending more time in each, which is that like, you know, I was in Santa Fe a couple nights ago, uh-huh. and that's a that's a pretty that's a tourist trap. Like it's a beautiful place, oh, yeah. but so I, I've been I, I've been to Santa Fe before. Like Santa Fe is like Disney World. Like people are just, it's just impossible to walk on those streets, or it just sucks. Yeah. And I was there, and because of COVID. There was like 10 people in Santa Fe. There was oh, really? nobody in Santa Fe. You would look at Santa Fe and it was like Stephen King's The Stand or something. It was just, it, and it's cool because you go to these old places and they're so empty. You know, Bandelier in New Mexico. You know what that is? I'm sorry, say that again. Hello? Bandelier. Do you know what Bandelier is? No. Bandelier is like this. It's like a national monument or park. I think it's a monument. And it's like these old, uh, it's like these old, it's like a 10,000 year old village built to the side of a rock wall. And you can climb ladders wow. into, the, into, the, into the living spaces. Anyway, and, the, and, the, and it's very narrow to kind of get around. Anyways, I looked online at like photographs of what that place normally looks like. It's filled with people. It of is course. like an amusement park. We were there. I was there with two friends. There was like eight people. It felt so you like you're looking at these old, these old, I mean, sometimes ancient places, and they are without tourists. And so it feels about as close as you can get to, you know, like the purity of the place. Yeah. But, you know, ever because of COVID, because no one's traveling, because no one's there. 
when you travel, when you go to new places, when you get to a new hotel or go somewhere you've never been, there is no routine and there is no habit. And so your brain has got to be as as like plastic and alive as it can be, as it's like trying so badly to make new habits. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like it's kind of like a hack to your brain to keep it incredibly vivid and, and awake because you're never letting it get settled in a place. And, and I think that's also a little bit part of it. Maybe people were going crazy all year because they were just almost like in a prison of their habits. Absolutely. It's like blow up your brain. Do go places you've never been. I was just talking to, to, I was just talking to this deputy sheriff and he was telling me about, you know, what it's like to be in the County jail. And he said, you would be surprised at how much people can actually sleep when they have nothing else to do. Right. And so you're trapped in, and I knew people that were, you know, trapped in New York and they're, and it's just them in their apartment. They're not going out, you know, they're trying to talk to people as much as they can, but if you can't do anything, I, I can only assume that you're sleeping more than you normally would. It's like you're hibernating. Um, and then Jason came back. Hey, buddy. <laughs> hey, buddy. Oh, Jason. Jason's actually back. Jason's I have, actually. I back. have returned. Oh my God. Sorry about that. Did you, I, just, uh, did you just do? Did you just do a training session with? Someone? Yeah, it's crazy. So real quick, I live next to like one of the gyms I train at, and the woman was going to be a full hour, but she uh, had she could only do a half hour because she had an appointment. So I'm back. <laughs> Unbelievable, Jason. Yeah, I, I have am. a million. I have a thousand questions for you. Oh, please! But I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to interrupt the flow. I didn't want to interrupt you. Oh saying no! I, I slunk we out. Were, no, no, no. We were treading water until you got back. We. I need to know this. Yes, tell sir. me about. Tell me about what are you eating? You're in great shape. You're a personal trainer. You know, I also. I see a trainer. I, you know, I try to do full body transformation. That was part of my COVID experience. Was sitting in my house and exercising, but. Tell me about your diet. Are you counting your macros? Are you very particular about how exactly how much protein and carbohydrates you're putting in your body? Okay, or are you just wow. like, let's keep it, let's keep it clean. So the interview is going this direction, huh? <laughs> that is yeah, you keep me on the phone for long enough. I'm gonna start asking questions. So I am a big believer in low carbohydrate. I really am. So I feel that carbohydrates need to be earned. You have to earn your carbohydrates. If you're just binge watching Netflix, you do not need carbohydrates, right? There's, or if you're a certain body fat percentage, you do not need carbohydrates. If I were to stick you on a desert island and only feed you fats and proteins, you'd live forever. You would yeah, not. But could you, could you, but could you build muscle? Yes. So, you can build muscle. Oh my God, my dog is killing me. You, you, uh, you can build muscle in a deficit. So, he- so here's the thing. Like I'm saying, th- there's no such thing as an essential carbohydrate. An essential carbohydrate. You die, you know, if, if you take protein out of your diet, you die. You take fat out of your diet, you die. Um, the, the only essential carbohydrate is fiber. 
And so when I say low carbohydrate, what I eat is I center all my meals around protein because that supports lean muscle mass. You do not need carbohydrate to pack on tons of muscle on bulking. I need tons of carbs. You can make up those calories with, uh, you know, higher fat. Yes. Healthy fat. And I'm not necessarily talking keto because keto is moderate protein. I eat high protein. I eat a lot of protein. I eat a lot of healthy fat and all the carbs I get are only from fibrous vegetables. So that's low carb. So your spinaches and your broccolis, your cruciferous vegetables, going Brussels sprouts, you're going crazy with pile your plate high with fibrous veggies. And the only fruit I eat are berries. Berries are high in fiber and low in the glycemic index. So any berry, straw, black, ras, blue, berries is my fruit. You want to avoid fruits that are high in fructose like mango and stuff like that. Tell me about this. Do we believe in um, do we believe in um, cardio, or are you just lift heavy, lift heavy, and eat and eat protein, and that's gonna be that? Lift heavy, eat protein. That's gonna be that. So cardio has its place, but it depends what type of cardio. You know, you're asking the classic questions, and they are so important. You know, um, prolonged steady state cardio on a treadmill is a waste of time. It's a way. Don't do it. Don't do it. The best you like way. You like a sprint and intermittent sprint. Exactly. You like, you like exactly. swimming. You like swimming. Not intense enough. So. Not intense enough. So it's always a question of intensity. So you want to be lean. You want to be muscular. Who doesn't? That means more muscle, less fat. Yeah. You sound like those sponsored ads I see on I have on YouTube. <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah, that's a great point. I'll keep watching. Right. So you they don't call him the gym bringer for nothing. So you don't. You, you know. I'm going I'm to pick on women for a second. Uh, women, uh, culturally, by and large, are very averse to weight training. They're scared of weights. They're scared of resistance training because they say, oh, it'll make me bulky. I don't want to be bulky. Oh, but I want curves. And I want to be lean. I want to have muscle. I want to tone. What they're describing is weightlifting. Uh, but, well, but they it, don't want size. They, they don't no want one size. Wants to, they right. don't want it to be a masculine size. But yeah. what, 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 and, and see, you know, I have to laugh at that because women don't have the you know, hormonal profile to, to achieve that. If a woman were to lift weights as her primary fitness regimen, it would only enhance her feminine curves. You want curves made from muscle, not bone. Skinny is not sexy, right? Strong is the new sexy. So what they, Whoa, what, are, are you reading this? Is someone re- writing this? <laughs> so, Did you bring back a teleprompter from the gym when you're just reading this? Are you gonna tell let's us? roll it back. Have, oh, as we progress, are our there? show is getting more and more professional. Oh, man. Yeah, are you, are you going to be selling us supplements now? This is, this is just so funny. I mean, this, this, this is what I, this is the stuff I'm passionate about, and I try to talk about it every day. <laughs> try to talk about it every day. But, yeah, no, but, but basically, here's how a woman gets what she wants. Um, Cut the bullshit cardio. Cut, cut the 40-minute treadmill marathons, you know, cardio. It's boring and it's not effective. But yet, when women say I'm going to the gym, what do most women do? And again, I'm, I'm picking it on them just because of here's what you don't do, whether you're a man or a woman. You go to the gym. You see these people who stand on a, on, walk on a treadmill like a hamster for 45 minutes and they leave the gym. How boring and how ineffectual. There's only so many hours in the day. Oh, I have a question. How come people are always like, watch your steps? It's a great way to be burning calories in the background. Make sure you're walking, blah, blah, 10,000 yeah, steps. Yeah, you know, that's all about movement. The body's designed to move. You know, if you sit, if it, prolonged sitting tightens your hip flexors and 
tight hip flexors create lower back pain and there's a whole sitting epidemic. And so that's all get out and move, just walk, use your body. But if we're talking about building muscle, losing fat, here's what you got to do. So here's what I say to women, get off the treadmill, take that 45 minutes and be lifting weights. The big major compound moves that rev your metabolism, that promote the, the accruement of lean muscle mass. And if you want to do cardio, Cardio is best served at the end of a weight training workout, post-lift, not before, post-lift. You want to know the quick science of why? Sure. All right, quick science of why. The stored energy in your body, st st store, and I'm sure you know this, uh, the stored, stored carbohydrate in your body is stored in the form of what's called muscle glycogen. And in the fed state, at any given time, you have about 400 grams of glycogen stored in your body. You have about 300 grams in your skeletal muscle. You have about 100 grams stored as surplus in your liver. That is the energy currency of your body. You break into a sprint, it's muscle glycogen. You're bench pressing, that's muscle glycogen. But the most effective way to, use, to burn off muscle glycogen is resistance training. It burns it faster than anything. You hit 45 minutes to an hour of hard weight training, your muscle glycogen's wiped. Now, if you go do sprint intervals on that hill over there, not only is that a much higher intensity, you can't do that forever, but your body is now depleted of muscle glycogen. It's preferred and primary energy source. Now it still needs energy. So you force it to utilize the only other form of energy it has left fat storage. So that's the way to get lean. Lift your weights, wipe out your muscle glycogen, and then go do, I set a, a running clock for 10 minutes. Me and my wife did it yesterday. We went to the steep hill in the park. I took off my shoes, running clock for 10 minutes on my wristwatch, and I sprint hell for leather up the hill, I walk down. I sprint hell for leather up the hill, I walk down. Sprint, rest, sprint, rest, sprint, rest. Running clock for 10 minutes. That's the fastest way, literally, to burn fat. Not only is sprinting an overload of your whole posterior chain and whole system, you, there's no more outright human burst of effort than a sprint. A true sprint can only last 10, 15 seconds before you have to stop, but then you get that recovery. So HIT, right? High-intensity interval training. That's HIT training, which science has now caught up to us that is the faster way to burn fat than your steady state, your 40 boring minutes on a treadmill. Cut what do, that. You, what do you What do you eat before a workout with heavy weights? Okay, so with, 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 with peri-workout nutrition, that's, that's very important. It's all about what your goal is. This is so funny how this has shifted to health and fitness. What's your goal? What's your goal? Now, if your goal is fat loss, I still want to gain muscle, but my goal is fat. I don't want to gain fat. No carbs before and no carbs after. The simple reason for that is carbohydrate is handing your body energy. Hey, you're about to work out. Here's energy. It won't tap into fat if you've just handed your body carbohydrate. It actually turns off all the fat burning signaling for your liver if you just have a bunch of carbs. It's like, huh, I'm going to take a vacation. We'll just use carbs before you even burn muscle glycogen. And that, again, back to the analogy of the woman on the treadmill for 40 minutes, you know, these women who say, oh, my God, I'm, I don't get it. I'm 
doing 40 minutes a, a, a day on the treadmill and I'm only eating salads and I'm, and I'm losing weight, but I'm still fat. Yeah, they're losing weight. They're dropping muscle mass because they're doing nothing to promote muscle mass. They're not creating an anabolic environment in their body. They're only eating salads, but where's the protein? There's nothing to support muscle mass. So yeah, they're dropping fat. They're, they're, they're dropping muscle mass and their body in a sort of panic response is holding on to body fat as surplus energy. So they're getting what's called skinny fat. It's called reversing your metabolism and it's a disaster. You see it all the time. You see it all too often. So what you want, no carbs before a workout. If you want to lean out, make fat become the energy, but you want high protein. Always start it with just a, a scoop of whey is great. If you're going supplement, take a scoop of whey and water. That will be a flood of amino acids, acids to your muscles. That'll prime your muscles for work. Never train on an empty stomach. That's not good because again, uh, it would be, have a catabolic effect, a muscle breakdown effect. Your, your body would pull from uh, the muscle before it would pull from fat. Remember fat is surplus. It's storage. It's extra. Your body never goes for fat first. It goes for other options and it resorts to using fat if it has to. You make it have to. So no carb, uh, but a nice, a nice shake of you know, whey protein. Go hit it hard. Same thing. No carb afterwards. We're not looking for an insulin spike of carbohydrate. We're looking for more continued fat utilization. Fat being metabolized and broken down into energy. But got to have that post-workout protein shake as well to drive recovery, to drive glu uh, glycogen replenishment, to drive repair. It's all critical. So no carbs around a workout. So before you work out, you have one scoop of protein and after you have a protein shake, you don't eat eggs. You don't have a piece I, of I do. So, so let me clear it up. If you're going from just a simple supplement standpoint, I would recommend a nice 20 to 30 grams of whey protein. If you're eating, I go for protein and fat, um, nuts. I'm a heat. I'm nuts for nuts. I'll have, yeah. A few, a few eggs and a, and a handful of any nut of your choice. Um, some avocado with a piece of chicken. You know, keep it healthy fat, keep it healthy protein. Avoid the carb. You don't need it. Make your body do the work. Make your body provide the energy. Don't shortcut it by just handing it the energy of carbohydrate. So that's my TED Talk. Thank you for coming. Great. Well, I'm in Marfa. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> we I'll got you there, huh? We got you there. We've come full circle. You know, I'm going to say something rather harsh. I have something rather harsh to say, not to you, but, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the issue of carbohydrates and body fat percentage. You know, I, I've been studying the work of, of the most famous strength coach, you know, in, in the world, Charles Poliquin. And Charles Poliquin always truly believed, and science has caught up to him, that if you're over 10% body fat, you do not deserve carbohydrates <laughs> who the fuck is below 10 percent body fat essentially no one really needs carbohydrates we could all benefit from getting your carbs from fibrous vegetables and honestly i i don't even i don't even break 50 carbs a day i know i don't i have some berries i got some fibrous veggies the rest is you know healthy fats and proteins um if you really want the biggest piece of advice I can give you, um, besides all this uh, exercise sports science, you know what I want you to start doing? Go ahead. <laughs> Todd, we're going to check up on you. And again, I have, and again this is, this is uh, right from Charles Poliquin. 
and the research and science supports him. The meat and nut breakfast. Having only meat and nuts for breakfast, like six days a week. That's all I do. You rotate your meat, you rotate your nut. There's, there's healthy fats in nuts. And well, obviously meat is only protein and inherently there is zero carbohydrate in meat. So a chicken breast and pecans, some salmon and pistachio, the next morning, some beef and hazelnuts, uh, you know, venison and walnut. You rotate the meat, you rotate the nut, and it is proven, proven, Todd, my man, that if you adhere to a meat and nut breakfast <laughs> as a lifestyle, devoid of exercise, you will lose fat mass. Even if you're not adding in an exercise program, a meat and nuts breakfast lifestyle alone, you will lose fat mass. And that's all I had. This morning, I had tilapia and walnuts. That was my breakfast. <laughs> Yesterday. And I know because you think, wait a minute, I can't do that. Sounds crazy because we're so sort of conditioned culturally around. Well, American breakfast is bacon. It's eggs. It's potato. It's toast. It's, it's breakfasty items. I thought that same way, too, until I tried it. Now I crave breakfast. I cannot wait for breakfast. And it energizes you. And furthermore, there's a there's a neurotransmitter in meat called acetylcholine. And acetylcholine is what adds to a lot of mental focus. This is important for a, a driven guy in the industry like you. Uh, acetylcholine is a neurotransmitter that drives muscle function, but drives a lot of mental activities and concentration and focus. And the best way to get acetylcholine is meat, meat, meat. It, it's... All acetylcholine. So, but how about the ethics of eating that much meat? There's a well, factory farming complex. It's like filled with antibiotics. That's not good for right. you and ammonia. Now, now that it's that's too a much. Bit. It's how about how about heart disease? It can't right. all be about biceps. The it can't right. So and the ethics is perhaps a discussion for another time. We're kind you know um, quality, quality, quality. So encouraging you to get you know, grain, uh, uh, grass-fed beef, organically grown and processed meat, you know, healthy meat, venison. I, I like to shop at natural grocers and they, they sell uh, healthy venison. So picking your healthy meat, look, you know, this, this is certainly not a vegetarian TED Talk. I, I understand that. I, I do understand that people, there are some people with ethical and religious issues around eating such prodigious quantities of meat. Right? I understand. Uh, this is less a conversation about that. We're just talking about the benefits of meat and the science of eating like this. If you can afford it, yeah, pick quality meat or go to a butcher shop or any more ordering online. You can order venison from ranches in Texas. I've looked into it. You can, you can, like, like you know, uh, killed on the spot and process, you know, process vacuum and set to your door sort of thing. Or, you know, these game farms where it's good, good, clean bush meat, really good. You know, you know where your meat is coming from. So. I encourage you to, if you can choose quality, do so. Um, uh, again, th there are, you know, all ethics aside, there are just certain things, benefits you get from meat that you just can't get elsewhere. You just can't. Not to say, not to say that a vegetarian cannot live a, a healthy lifestyle. And I'm not saying vegetarians have all these nutrition deficiencies. That's not what I'm saying. We're just touting the benefits of meat from a pure 
purely meat for meat sake standpoint, trying to leave the ethics out of it. You see what I'm saying? See what you're saying. Guys, I've arrived at Marfa. We've helped you get there. You've helped me Excellent. get there. I have to leave now. We can do this again. <laughs> yes. if you want. One thing before you go, if you had a piece of advice to just anyone, uh, you know, on a road trip in the film industry, whatever, what would be your, <laughs> what would be your, what's the party words? One liner. What are your party words? One liner. Encouraging the guy that would, that's like you, that's been being a fucking waiter and grinding around for nine years. And he's down to his last Brigham Young letter to sell on eBay. What is your advice to that guy? Jesus Christ, guys. Um, <laughs> That's it right there. I don't know. I, 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 with the work stuff, I think it's, it's important to, to keep to, how do you phrase it where it's not just like the same old piece of bullshit advice everyone gives everyone. Yeah. Be I unique, think, please. I, you know, I think it's, um, I think you gotta be interested and that's interesting. You know, it's like, it's like, like, so I heard someone be like, I don't want to live the length of my life. I want to live the width of it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to just get to the end of it. I want to live, you know, the, the I want a big bandwidth for it as it's happening. I, I think love that. You, you said, could, I don't want to live the length of my life. I want to what with it? The width. Live the, the width. width of it. I love that. God damn. Is, uh, is that the title of the podcast episode or is the title uh, of you? Uh, God damn. So many decisions. I don't know. I, I it's I like that wisdom. I think that that's good, and I think that if you can kind of live that way, curious and with a pretty sharp sharpening your intuition, like trying to lean into your intuition, and um and then work, make stuff, make stuff, be detailed, work harder than the next person, mm -hmm. just work, 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 make a ton of stuff. It's really the only way to figure out who you are. Like, you, you know, you don't really know why you made the thing until you've made it and you watch it. And I think that that's really important. And I think just with now, it's it's just so nice to take a break from yourself and to get lost in other people. You know, maybe some people don't like that or that's threatening or something. But for me, getting lost in the world is just a great way to um, it's like surfing the world, like the surfboards <laughs> are into it. It's kind of surfing the world catch, and that feels wave, really nice baby. after being beached after being beached for a year so so i think that that's it i'm excited to see everyone else back out in the fucking world catching that wave baby catching that wave Todd Strauss-Schulson, he's a, a director a cinematographer writer producer editor he's done everything from harold and kumar Road warrior Road Warrior. He's done Harold and Kumar and the upcoming Silent Retreat. And he, we've caught him. He spent time with us on a cross-country trip from L.A. to New York, somewhere in West Texas. And he took the time to talk to us. I can't believe it. Your website is? Um, yeah, the website's Ulterior Productions. And the Instagram is just my last name, Strauss Schulson. And that's where I'm doing my road trip on. I love it. That's my I'm network. I'm going to get your email from Johnny here and I'm going to send you a few things on nutrition. You're going to be so, uh, you're going to, you'll rue the day that you ask me these questions. Let me put it that way. I, I, I rue the day every day. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, you inspire us and thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Seriously, I appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you very much, Todd. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I Look forward day. to the next film, buddy. All right, later. All right, Take later. Care.